0: very special guest in in, our studio in the studio uh, the great man one of my favorites one of our favorites on the big sports breakfast phil moss who is still grinning like a cheshire cat after what was a wonderful socceroos qualification for a fifth consecutive world cup on tuesday good morning phil it was just an incredible result wasn't it
1: it absolutely was great to be here and see you ryan
2: (laughs)
0: <laughs> Keep going, I new bulldog. Keep of course, going, of
1: course. <laughs> now, nice to be uh, back in here. Uh, second trip into the studio this week. First time in months and months. But um, yeah, look, it was uh, it was amazing. It was, let, let's just take the the game and and qualification for the World Cup in isolation to start with. Before we look big picture, but um, you know what that. Squad and staff, and obviously led by Arnie, have been through to get us to this World Cup is remarkable. Over a thousand days of qualification, there was five hundred days without a game because of lockdowns. So it started
0: um, essentially twenty nineteen. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It's the uh, you talk about going on a journey. Well, <laughs> this seemed like the never ending journey, and then it ended um, in the most emotional way with the last kick of the qualifying campaign uh, to be the second last country to qualify for this World Cup in Qatar. Um, So just amazing scenes and there's so many different ingredients that went into it Um, and and we'll talk about a few of them now but just the emotional high of it, Um, I was sitting in a hotel room by myself in Melbourne for for work, getting ready to go into the Melbourne office and um, I don't mind saying I was running around my my hotel room looking for something or someone to hug, Um, ended up knocking over a lamp but uh, it was just wild scenes and Federation Square wasn't too far from where I was and I could hear the noise out the window. Uh, I didn't dare go down there, though. <laughs> I probably wouldn't have turned up for work if I
2: did. Mossy, <laughs> when you look at Arnie, uh, the way it was done, the lockdowns, COVID, travelling, hotel rooms, you know, on his own, middle of nowhere, to come back and do it the hard way, too, through the draw, it would have to, in my opinion, go down as one of the great coaching achievements in Australian sporting history. And I don't say that lightly. No, nor would
1: you, Bulldog, with your history. Um, and, and I mean that with all due respect, because you're not a rusted-on football man. You, you're obviously from a, from a different code. Um, but I know you love your sport. So for you to say that, um, I know there's a lot of thought that's gone into that. And, and I'm obviously going to agree with that, given my background. But um, I just think anyone who has any personal criticism of, of Graham Arnold for what he's done and how he steered the ship... Um, really doesn't understand the the mechanics of of what's gone on because there was no playbook for this one. Um, It was absolutely um, suck and see as you go and and just make the best decisions that you can. He had to go through a lot of players. There were players pulling out for for all sorts of reasons uh, along the way and and some key players. Look, Tommy Rogic pulled out four days before this one. Um, You know That's a huge, huge loss. You talk about the foundation we've got Um, from a point of view of, you know, defensive structure and and things like that. But Tommy Rogic is the key that unlocks the door in the attacking half Mm. um, to scoring and creating goals. So huge, huge blow. But if you haven't got your culture right, if you haven't got the foundation right to fall back on, things like that derail a campaign. Mm. There's no doubt about it. And that did not derail a campaign. In in fact, it was used in the reverse. It probably galvanised the squad just that little bit extra to go that extra mile and get the result.
0: So much of the story behind this has been the scrutiny around Graham Arnold. As we mentioned, a long qualification process. It started in 2019. I think the Socceroos won their first 11 games and they were on song. But then they fell off the perch. I think they had a few draws, a couple of losses, I think one win. And particularly our loss to Japan early this year. The drums were beating for Graham Arnold. And regardless, it, it seemed like people wanted him gone there and then. Just take us through that process, the challenges that he faced, whether or whether or not you think that that scrutiny w- was fair on Graham Arnold. Just your take on it in the lead up to to that qualification game on Tuesday.
1: Yeah, look, great point, Ryan. And um, you know, did Arnie go to some uh some some dark places during that process? Of course he did. But like any coach under scrutiny in a in a pressure cooker hot seat, um, we all we all do uh, at different levels. Um. But I think the thing that Arnie did so well was he, he was the the cushion between the team and the public. You know, that while the focus was on him and the criticism was on him, he was happy because it meant that, that it was deflected from the team so the players could just focus on their job. Um, he's got a really good support network around him um, of, of good people uh, who tell him how it is which, is, which is really important. It's not just blowing smoke. Um, and I, I think that played a key role. You can ask him, obviously, when he comes on air. But... Um, I think the thing w- with Arnie was he never lost uh, belief in his ability and and his position as the best person to take this team through to the World Cup. Never, never for a moment. And I think if it, if you then fast forward and and don't forget, by the way, he, he missed two games. Uh, he was in lockdown, isolation, mm. quarantine for two of those games. Um, and and when the team doesn't have the head coach there, you know, no matter how strong your processes are it's so hard to get peak performance because it's just different it's a different environment um he showed what he can do when he had 10 days with the the team before the UAE and and Peru game and that made all the difference in the end at the finish line where where we needed it most so that was uh that was crucial FA uh held the course they they showed good leadership to keep him in the in the role um because after um after that game um, away, uh, I forget the, uh, who we played the third last game, but um, there was real smoke that they were going to move him on, um, or he was going to he was going to walk away if he didn't get the support he needed. That meeting went really well. Um, they stuck by him. They gave him more support that he needed to get
2: us through UAE and, and Peru. Mm. Do you think some of the criticism Mossy was? Pushed toward the Socceroos, but it was personal against Arnie? Yes, I do. Yeah, I don't think Why? you can argue that. Arnie
1: divides opinion. Um, you know, and people who don't know him don't understand him. Uh, you, you know him well enough, Bulldog. He's, he's he, No one bleeds Australian blood like Graham Arnold. And, and his problem, his double-edged sword, and I'll never forget Goose Hiddink saying this way, way back when Arnie was his assistant, his double-edged sword is, an, is, a, is his emotional attachment to Australia. Um, you know the, the the top coaches in the world coach teams that they're not necessarily emotionally attached to it, they go in they get a job done um, and of course you build your culture around emotion and, and all sorts of things but but only cares about the whole game yet really he's judged on one thing and that's results for the Socceroos um, we saw what he did in lockdown the performance gap um, trying to fix the game and, and get younger players um, more opportunities to play games so you know that that definitely is part of it but I thought some of the um, some of the criticism, well, a lot of the criticism, became personal, and that's not okay. It's just not. He's a human being mm-hmm. first. He's, he's not a coach. He's not a leader. He's not a manager. He's a human being who happens to be a coach, leader, and, and manager at, at the top level. So people forget that, and um, people who criticise him personally don't know him mm-hmm. as a, as a human being.
0: Well, over 20 games in the qualification process, it essentially comes down to one, doesn't it? And it was the game against Peru. And what an extraordinary game it was. I think it's fair to say in regular time, maybe the Socceroos were the better team. Um, Then in extra time, it seemed as though Peru went up a notch and it looks like we were lucky that they maybe hit the post and they didn't get it done there. When it went to penalties, and obviously before you know they they blew full time and, and making the change with Matt Ryan, the the skipper, for Andrew Redmayne. A a big call. But what were your thoughts going into that penalty shootout? Because it is flip of the coin, really, isn't it? But still, there's a lot of calculated thought that goes into it, particularly with that keeper swap.
1: I had an eerie feeling of absolute confidence we were going to win that, and I'll tell you why. First of all, the way... We talk about culture and the foundation you've set. The way Matty Ryan left that pitch, I think, set the tone for us to go on and win the penalty shootout. He left with his head held high, chest out, strode off that pitch, gave Redders a massive hug, yep. said, this is your time. That comes down to culture that's been built for the last four years. You can you can take that all the way back to the Central Coast Mariners days when Arnie first got hold of of Matty Ryan as a 17-year-old kid. Building that culture into him, he's got to be the person that executes under that, moment because other, other players could have dragged their heels and, you know, been stroppy and slapped away the coach's hand and all that stuff that we've seen. But the way Matty Ryan handled that, I think, gave Redders an extra foot um, because then when he came on, he was, he was ready to go. We all know his, his Wiggles routine, that played a part. But I think the other thing that the substitution did was really got into the heads of the Peru players. They, they would have been looking over going, what's going on here? This guy must be a freak at saving penalties or whatever it did to their mindset then there was the notes on the water bottle. I can't believe there's been any criticism of Andrew Redmayne for throwing that water bottle into the crowd. <laughs> um, I mean, that for me, you've got to seize those big moments. I mean, we've had teams where we've gone away in World Cup qualifiers who have set fire alarms off in the middle of the night to wake us up and spat on us at the airport and all you know, flights go missing, buses don't turn up. All that stuff plays into it. So to see notes on a water bottle and, and get rid of them, I think was a masterstroke.
2: By Andrew Redmond. Leo from Burwood has texted in Mossy. Uh, gents, please ask Phil, does Graham Arnold now take Tom Rogic to the World Cup as Tom turned his back on the Socceroos? Interesting point.
1: Well, it is, but we don't know if Tom turned his back on the Socceroos because we don't know what the personal reasons were. So, uh, as I've said all along, first and foremost, I hope Tommy and his family are okay. Um, he's a great lad Tommy Rogic, um, we don't know, he didn't go into any further detail, um, and you can ask Arnie when he comes on air if there's been any any update there, but um, first and foremost, th- there needs to be a, a conversation around what the personal reasons were, and whether he's okay, um, and then decisions need to be made, whether he wants to go to the World Cup, whether Arnie would take him to the World Cup, he's certainly one of our talisman, there's no doubt about that, um, and you need top quality players at the World Cup um, because it goes up at several levels from qualifiers. So time will tell. I can't answer that.